Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. Thank you for listening to one of our great messages. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. As we know, the the title or or, or the theme of the month is Magnificent Surrender. And I was thinking about what I can talk about today. I don't think I'm going to be very long, but I say that every time. Who knows that in life we wear different hats? For me, we've got our own business, so I wear the business hat. And in that business hat, I'm chasing up work and chasing up invoices and, you know, and I'm training our guys to do things the way I want to do them and sometimes getting on their case and sometimes disciplining them. Then I've got the father hat, and with the father, you know, I've got to be a little softer, and, and I haven't got a business, I've got, you know, I'm rolling around on the floor, playing with my daughter, she's jumping all over me and that kind of stuff, and I'm trying to educate her in manners and all that kind of deal, and then I've got my, you know, my spiritual hat where I'm, where I'm in the Word, and I'm, and I'm praying, and I've, and I've, you know, got to do all these things, that I'm, you know, trying to grow spiritually, and I'm praying for Garth, and I'm praying for uh, Ollie and Rachel, and, and our pastors, and all this kind of stuff, and... Um, then I've got my husband hat. Then you got my husband hat where I've got to spend quality time with my wife with focus. I don't feel like you're listening to me. Focus, you know, quality time. You know, you got to bring vision, you got to bring support, and you bring laughter into the household and, and adventure because everyone knows women love adventure and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes it's hard to balance all these things. Who would agree? Sometimes it's hard to balance all the hats. And uh, sometimes it's really hard for me anyway, I don't know about you guys, but I find it hard sometimes because I get them all muddled up. I'm in business mode, I'm like, yeah, yeah, got to do this, you know, $5, $20, no, no, no. And I walk in, I'm like, hello, darling, how are you going? And crawling around on the thing and, you know, two, ten minutes later, I'm shubbity-dubbity-dubbity all around praying and, you know, just praying for this person and praying for that and declaring this and declaring that and, you know, Garth and Jamie and Ollie and Rachel and our pastors. And then my wife asked me a question, yes, darling, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, yeah, I know, I'm listening to you. And it gets a little bit hard sometimes. It lets it get, life gets a little full. That's only my life. I know some of you guys have way more than, than, than that. You guys are like, what is he whinging about? But that's just my life. And it sometimes gets a little bit hard to handle. It sometimes gets a little bit hard to, to manage directly, you know, because you're running around and I, you know, at times I've muddled up the roles where I'm talking to my you know, little son saying, what's your five-year plan, son? What's your five-year what's your five year plan, you know? And I'm, you know, what are you doing? Like, rise up, son, get the, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I get them all muddled up, you know, and I'm hugging my workers. Oh, mate, you're awesome. Love you, man. Oh, sorry, that's my, that's my child hat and it's not you. It just gets a little bit much. I think a lot of people find it hard to balance all of these things out. I think life... It's hard when you've got to try and balance these things out effectively because you can't give all your time to one of those things because then something else is neglected. Would you agree? So I find it hard. I'm like, how do I, Lord God, how do I navigate this? How do I navigate this this thing called life effectively? Because the church needs me to be here, but my wife needs me to be there. Anyone understand what I'm talking about? My kids need me at home, but I've got to go and provide for them at work. And there's this tension, there's this inner struggle of trying to, how do I balance life out? How do I do this? 
And it's hard sometimes for him. That was a bit high. That was hard sometimes. And it's hard sometimes for a man to get it right, or for a woman to get it right. So I'm not, you know, when I say man, I mean all of us. It's hard sometimes to navigate this thing right, where you're being the best man you can, you're being the best husband, you're being the best minister that you can, you're being all that kind of stuff. And I've been uh, navigating that for the last, well, since we had our babies, actually, and, and that's been like a year and a half. And I'm like, God, what's the answer? How do we do this? And I see a lot of other young men, we just, you know, because there's different stages where you're, you're young and free, and then all of a sudden, I see people go through stages where they, now, they, now they're married, and they've got to try and navigate the marriage thing plus that. And then they have children, and oh, they're going to manage that plus that plus that. And I see this struggle going on within churches, within men and women, of trying to navigate this thing correctly. So I've asked God, I said, God, what's the answer? How do we do this? How do we do church? How do we do spirituality in this Western culture, you know, where, where we're so time poor and everything? And um, I've got this little bit of a thing for me. It's just, it just says, shift your focus. I said, what, what, what do you mean? Like, what's the answer, Lord? Like, well, how is it that I am supposed to be able to do all this because do all this stuff correctly? And here's the line that I come up with. Here's, 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 here's the answer, I believe. And it's going to sound simple, and it's going to sound like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if you actually stop and think about it, I think it'll revolutionize a lot of people's worlds, or I hope it does. And it's this. It's not about doing more. It's all about being more of who you are in him. I'll say that again. It's not about doing more, or those those things have got to be done. It's all about being more of who you are in him. Because I've been, I've grown up, well, I haven't grown up in church. I've been in church 15 years now, and I come to a church, and I come into an age where everything was do, do, do. You know, how are you going? If you showed half a talent, you were on that team. You know, Jesus, you're the worship team champ, you know, get up there. And there was this massive focus on, you know, once you come to church, you got to do something. you got to do something. Get involved. Do something. Do something. And, and one thing I've learned is, is that what I'm trying to tell you this morning is this, it's, it's not about doing more. It's all about being more of who you are in Christ. Because I found this, that when I focus on the doing, when I focus on the tasks at hand, I've got to do that. Yeah, I've got to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've got to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've got to do that. I've got to do this. When you start focusing on the task at hand, what happens is you start to feel stretched. You start to feel busy. You start to feel time poor. And you start eventually to feel overwhelmed. Are you with me? I've got all these, all these things I've got to do. I've got to do this, this, this. And as time goes by, if you do this over a long period of time, eventually you start feeling exhausted, inadequate, oh, I can't do it, or anxious. Is your task But if you spend your time spent on focusing on who you are in Christ, what starts happening is you start feeling inspired, you start feeling energized. Who am I in Christ? I can do all. You get what I'm saying? I can do all. You start feeling sufficient for the task at hand when it comes up. Are you with me? And as time goes by, you keep concentrating on who am I in Christ? I am this, I am that, I am this, I am that. As time goes by, you start getting full of faith. You start getting confident. And you start actually living out of, a, out of peace. Does that make sense? Just as of late, I've shifted my focus. 
although the task has still got to be done, I'm doing it out of a place where I'm concentrating on who I am in Christ. So when the task comes up, I'm ready for it. I'm resourced for it. Are you with me? It's a simple little shift like that that God spoke to me about. I said, what is, how do we do all this stuff? He said, forget about the stuff. Concentrate on who you are in Christ. That's where you're going to get your strength. That's where you're going to get all that stuff to actually do. You get what I'm All good? But I found, unfortunately, that a lot of my time was spent in that focusing on everything. A lot of my time was spent, is spent, until as of late, focusing on all the things I've got to do. And it started to stress me out and it started to repel me from church and church activities and church stuff. Oh, church, you know, oh, no, 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 you want me to do that, 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 that. I started living in that place instead of living in a place where I'm just focused on who I am in Christ. So this morning I want to talk about, you know, we are talking about magnificent surrender, but I want to talk to, talk to you about surrendering to who you are in Christ. Not being surrendering to it. Accepting it. Stop resisting it. Yield to it. Submit to it, you know. Concede to it, succumb to it. This is who I am in Christ. And to surrender to it. Because I find it's not an easy thing. I find it's not a very easy thing at all. And if you don't mind, we're just going to go on a short journey this morning of, of some examples of that. If you've got your Bibles, would you mind turning to Exodus 32, please? Chapters 1 to 7. That says this. Now, we know the story of, uh, of Moses leading the people out of Egypt. They were slaves. You know, we know that story, you know, Prince of Egypt, cartoons, you know, la, la, la. So Moses leads them out. They're in the wilderness. They're out in the desert. And Moses goes up on the mountain to get where God writes the Ten Commandments, the tablets, the law. And this is what happens. It says this. Now, when the people saw, oh, sorry, and Moses was up there for a bit of a long time because God started chatting about Lisa. He's got a lot to say about Lisa. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which in the ears, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool. And he made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is the feast to the Lord. Now, another translation says, Tomorrow is the feast to Yahweh. So this is what happens. People come along like Moses is missing for a bit. They get a little bit stressed. Let's, let's just make our own God. So they take everything. Take, he says, give me something from your ears. Give me all your earrings. Give me all your earrings. And, and he, fashions, he fashions this idol. He fashions this golden calf. And I love what it says here. It says, so when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And he says, this is your God, Yahweh. Now, I find that funny. I find that funny that um, he built this thing called a calf, yet he named it Yahweh. He had this thing that was cold, had no life into it, had no substance, but he gave it the name above all names. He gave it the greatest name, Yahweh. And I find that when people forget, I find this in people as well, when people forget who they are, 
when they forget their name, what they do is they add names unto themselves or they put on names to give them significance. When people forget their substance, they forget who they are, they add unto themselves names to give themselves significance. Some of those names are Prada, Versace, Valentina. I'm trying, I don't know these things. I have to write them down. I'm trying to be styly. I was like, stubbies. No, no, it's not working. Treat. No, no, it's not working. Valentina, Versace, Gucci, Prada. I find people these days, they're putting on these names to try and give themselves significance because they've forgotten who they are. Are you with me? For some people, it's not those names, it's titles. Hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so. Hi, I'm Pastor So-and-so. Are you with me? People put on names to give themselves significance. Director, manager, all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing that I find funny is they fashioned they're out there and, and they said, build us to God. And what he did is he fashioned this thing into a calf, a golden calf. And what you've got to understand that the calf is not an Israelite God. It's an Egyptian one. The calf is actually an Egyptian God. And so although these guys, although the Israelites had seen God move powerfully in and releasing them from Egypt, so the plagues come like massive, like if I saw the plagues, I would freak out and say, oh God, like seriously, you the man. They saw the plagues, you know, they saw God protect them with a, with a wall of, or a pillar of fire when, when the Egyptians were chasing them out, you know what I mean? I mean, how, just imagine seeing that. Like someone's chasing you, God, pillar of fire, and I will protect you. How amazing is that? They were baptized, per se, when they went through the Red Sea. They went in one way, and as they come out, they come out no longer slaves because the people who enslaved them were buried and dead. They were transformed, their whole identity was changed. We were once slaves, but we've gone through the baptized through the Red Sea. We come out the other side, and we're no longer slaves anymore because our captors are dead. They're buried. They're drowned. And then God, God does all this beautiful stuff in the, in the desert where he supplies for them and, you know, water from a rock. Like, God, I'm hungry. Bloop, you know, stuff falling from the sky. Like some amazing stuff, incredible stuff. But when push come to shove, when they said, what are we going to do? What happens is they make an Egyptian God, not a Israelite God. What they did is they went back to that which God delivered them from. Because what happens is after 400 years of Egyptian captivity, after 400 years of being in their culture, after 400 years of learning their ways, after 400 years of learning their customs, their rituals and their thinking, they had an identity crisis. God delivered them from that. But here they stood with an identity crisis. I'm a brand new, delivered, I'm not a slave anymore, but I choose to build, I'm, I'm still in my old Egyptian way. I'm still Egyptian in my heart, I'm still Egyptian in my mind, I'm still Egyptian, still got chains around my... And here's the deal, I find so many Christians live like that. Ooh. I find so many Christians live like that, where they've been redeemed, they've been forgiven, they've been set free, but somehow they live in the land of Egypt and this new creation. Most of the time they're spent in this, this middle ground of like, I don't know which, I don't know if I'm Egyptian or if I'm, you know, what, what am I? And I see so many Christians living in that world. So many Christians living in this, in this limbo of, I don't know if I'm still that person or if I don't know if I'm that person. I don't know if I'm the old man or the new man. I'm sort of, I, I should be the new man, but I kind of feel, act like this guy and I don't know. If, and I see this whole thing going on in people's heads where they're in limbo in their identity. They don't know who they are. They're going back and forth from the old man to the new man. 
and they, and they do this little thing where they this little dance back and forth, back and forth. I spoke to the youth leaders uh, a little while ago about you know you're a new creation, but sometimes what people do is they is they that old man, that old crazy guy that they used to be, they carry him around in a little coffin, and they drag him around everywhere he, they go. Oh yeah, he, yeah, that's the old guy, and they drag him this coffin around, and it's all good. And they're all Christian until someone cuts them off in the traffic. Put him back in the coffin. Start dragging this old man around again. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Dragging this old man around like in the coffin. There you go. Just waiting for an opportunity to pull that old guy out. Waiting for an opportunity. What, what, what did you say? What did you say about my wife? Put him back in the coffin. At some point in time in your life, you've got to bury that old man. You've got to stop carrying him around, stop dragging him around everywhere you go, and bury him. Because for far too long, we have navigated this, we're trying to navigate this old man, new man, and you carry it around, and you can't do that. Just like the Israelites. They were caught out of one place, but they're still back there in their hearts. I know that, that I was born a man. Some of you may beg to differ, but I was born a man. I was born a man. And because I was born a man, I was spoken to like a man. Like I wasn't, hi, hey, Joe. No, I was spoken to like a man. You know what I mean? I was treated like a man. Growing up, I was educated like a man. Come on, get over here. Stuff you wouldn't do to females. Man stuff. So from a very young age, I was treated like a man. I was spoken to like a man. I was educated like a man. So that in my mind, I'm convinced that I'm a man. And here's the key. Because I'm convinced that I'm a man, I act like a man. At some point in time in your life as a Christian, you've got to be convinced that you are a new creation. Only when you're convinced that you're a new creation will you actually be able to walk it out. You've got to be convinced that I am a new creation. I'm no longer that person. That person's dead and buried. This is who I am. I am a child of God. Are you with me? At some point in time, you've got to be convinced of who you are. And only then will you act it out. But I find that not many people are convinced that they are a Christian. Again, it's that, well, I sort of, I'm good sometimes, but then I, then, then they do something, a mistake, which we all do, agreed. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm such a sinner. Oh, and then someone prays for them and tells them about the truth and they're a Christian again in their hearts. You know, I love Jesus. And then they do something wrong and they're back here again. Does anyone know the cycle I'm talking about? People, young people, living in this cycle between sin and righteousness. I'm righteous. I'm a child of God. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve you. You know, it's all this kind of so confusing. So confusing. Absolutely confusing. I wasn't going to go here, but like it says in, in, in Romans, I believe it says that Jesus' scepter is righteousness that his scepter will be righteousness. And I looked up scepter. I said, what does scepter mean? What is scepter? And it derives from actually the shepherd's rod. That's where the scepter idea came from, where it showed authority. It means that, you know, with, as a shepherd, if you've got out of line, you get hit with the rod. Scepter. Shows authority. Shows that kind of stuff like that. And I was, I was, I was stuck on this thing. His, his scepter is righteousness. I thought, who else had a scepter in the Bible? I remember Moses, who had his rod. And a staff. But I love it that, that Moses brought the law. 
He bought the law. He bought all the stuff that, let's be honest, we couldn't do. He bought all the stuff that we couldn't match up to, yeah, the law. But Jesus brings, with his stuff, he brings righteousness. He says, I know you can't do it, but it's all good. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Like, if you just believe, you know, the whole idea, then it's all good. I love that. That his scepter is righteousness, not judgment. Not judgment. You're righteous. His scepter is righteousness. It's not law. You don't have to measure up. It's righteousness. You have right standing in front of him. You're good. That's his scepter. That's what he wields. You're good. You're good. Okay, let's read on. So what happens is they build this golden calf. God says, Moses, get down there. He says, they've done something really, really bad. Go down there and get them. But Moses comes down and says this. And when Moses, and they're all dancing around having a bit of a party, and they're dancing naked, dancing around having a bit of a party. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among the enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. I love that piece of scripture. I'll tell you why. What happens is the scene is there's a massive party going on. Like they're dancing naked around this golden calf. They're shaking it. They're, you know, doing all this stuff. It's in the Bible. Don't blame me. Um, you know, they're out there and, you know, doing all their moves and, yeah, you know, stuff. And they're, they're going crazy around this thing. And, and, and Moses turns up. And he stands and he says, who is on the Lord's side? Come unto me. Whole party going on. I love it. He gets there, gets the edge of the camp. He says, who is on the Lord's side? Come unto me. And the Bible says that the sons of Levi come over and they, and they, they stand next to Moses. And Moses says, right, I want you to go out there and deliver some punishment to these guys. But I find that interesting. Because uh, I don't know about you guys, who's been ever been caught doing something that you shouldn't be doing? Who's ever been caught like these guys are dancing around naked? They're like, like it's out there, yeah, it's out there, and they dance around naked, and and old Papa Moses comes along and says, "Who was on the Lord's side?" So they're running around trying to grab their undies and jackets and bras, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, it was sprung!" You know that feeling when you're sprung, you know, trying to get all this kind of stuff. And then he sends, he sends uh, Levi out to go and uh, discipline these guys. Actually, he kills a few of them, to be honest. He sends Levi out there. And I love this. Just imagine being Levi. Just imagine. Can you imagine it? Levi. Here these guys trying to pick up all their... And they're doing all these kinds of things. And, and all of a sudden, Levi comes along. And he starts to deliver some judgment. Can you imagine it? So hang on, brother. About two minutes ago, you were shaking the next to me. Hang on a sec, Levi. Five minutes ago, I remember when you and I were like, you know, remember? Remember? Just like half an hour ago. Remember, Levi? Who do you think you are coming here and trying to deliver judgment unto me? Who do you think you are? And that happens, you know what I mean? That happens when you become a Christian. When you become a Christian, you become a new creation. All your friends always remind you of your past. They remind you of the things that you've done in the past. They always try to bring it up. They try to drag you back into this confused state again. Well, I'm a new creation. Yeah, I got saved. But all your friends start to drag you back into this. Oh, am I saved? Yeah, I did that. Oh, man, I'm so bad. And, they, and he, I love it. But, but Levi doesn't 
He doesn't succumb to that. He, he, he goes on for it. He actually does what Moses tells him to do. But the beautiful thing is this is Levi was probably the least of all the people who should have done it. Because Levi was actually a little cursed by his dad, Jacob. Do you remember the story when, when uh, Levi's sister got raped by those guys in the Bible? And so what Levi does and Simeon is they make this plan. They're going to trick these other guys. Oh, you should be saved. And you should be, you know, da, 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 you should serve our God. And they say, okay. They, he actually finds the guys who did it to their sister. He goes in and he tricks them into becoming circumcised, becoming, you know, he tricks them. Levi and Simeon. He tricks these men and he kills them afterwards. And when Jacob's on his dying bed and he's actually blessing all of his sons, he says, ah, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. But you, Levi and Simeon, he says, no, no, I don't bless you. I don't bless you because of your of your violence. That's what he says. I don't bless you because, you because of your violence. He says, you're an unrighteous man, Levi Simeon. Jacob, whose name is Usurper. Jacob, whose mum actually swindled him into being the, getting the blessing. Sometimes we forget where we come from. Sometimes we forget that we're not perfect ourselves. But I love it that Levi, this guy Levi, has got this past of being a scoundrel. He's got this past of being a violent man. He's got this past of being this guy who's, who's, who's looked down upon at family events. When Levi turns up, oh, here he is, Levi, remember what he did? Yeah, he's got that past, you know that family member who turns up, who's always the black sheep? Levi, that, that's him, Levi. He turns up. But when Moses yells out, he says, who is with me? Who is with me? Who is with the God? Who's, who's going to do this? Levi stands up. And the beautiful thing is this, is that the beautiful thing I love about God is it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, at any point in time, you can change the future. The thing I love about it is that he's got this past of all this bad stuff, but there came a situation, there came an opportunity. Who was with me, Moses says, and the sons of Levi come out and says, that's us. And the beautiful thing is it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what culture you've come from. It doesn't matter what background you've come from. The good thing is with the gospel... You can make a decision and change your future in one little point in time. That's the beautiful thing about the gospel. That's the beautiful thing about your identity. See, some people, they make excuses like Dorothy walking down the, you've got to get off the yellow brick road, Dorothy. She's walking down the yellow brick. You've got to get off there. No, but you don't understand, Ra. My grandma walked down this road. Get off it. But you don't understand. My dad walked down. Get off it. At one, every, at one point in time, all it takes is this instance where you decide, I'm not going to be that person. And God will say, beautiful, who was with me? Who was with me? Who was with me? I believe the enemy for far too long has kept people unfruitful because they're living in these two places. I believe the enemy for far too long has made powerful, beautiful, wonderful people fruitless because they're stuck in two worlds. I don't know if I'm Egyptian. I don't know if I'm Israel. I don't know if I'm the old man. I don't know if I'm the new man. And I believe it's time that we make, we stand like Levi, we make a decision. It's as simple as that. I'm no longer that person. I am a new man. It's time to bury the coffins. Do you remember the days when you were 15, 16 and it was all or nothing for God? Remember those days? Remember those times that you... Oh, sorry, Jeffrey, I forgot to let you go. My point, of the, my whole point 
this morning, my whole message is this. And all you're doing, and all you're doing, it's not about doing more. It's about being more of who you are in Christ. I'm telling you, if you just be who you are in Christ with all your quirkiness, that's fine. God's okay with that. God's totally fine with that. Just be who you are in Him. With all your quirkiness, with all your stuff, with all, just, just be that person. And you will find you'll be far more fruitful than chasing all these other things, all these stuff. I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. You will find that your life will get its peace back. It's just baffles me every time I look around a room. No, it doesn't baffle me in a bad way. I just I look around the room and I see people with so much potential. There's so much on the inside of them. So much, but they're living in this swaying world. There's got to be a decision. There's got to be a point in time when you say, enough's enough. I surrender. I accept who you have called me to be in Christ. Amen. But I find Christians the hardest people to encourage. You're amazing. Oh, no, 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 no. You're trying to speak the new creation into them, but they keep going back to the old. Mate, you're awesome. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm this. No, you're not. You're actually awesome. The Bible tells me so. You don't know me. I don't have to. I know the truth. You don't know me. I don't care. I know the truth. I do know you. and It's here. It's right here. Here's your personal profile. I got it. You're amazing. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm so lonely. Stop it. Stop it. Surrender to who you are in Christ. Accept it. When someone gives you a compliment, say thank you. Thank you very much. Receive it. Accept it. It's no longer time to live in limbo. It's no longer time to do that. It's time to be who you are in Christ. And I know I haven't explained who that is because I didn't have time to do that this morning of going through who you are in Christ. But look, if, you're, if you want to know, here's some scriptures of who you are in Christ. I'll thank you. I've got a few of them up here if you need some more, we'll photocopy them. If you don't know who you are in Christ, yeah, here's, 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 here's the truth about who you are in Christ. I won't give it to you. Take it home. Take it home. Because the devil, the enemy, he's had this for far too long, keeping us fruitless, powerless. In limbo. I want to, but oh, I'm so busy. No, I am a child of God. Surrender to it. Accept it. I keep saying it because it's going to take a little while to get through. I guarantee if you talk to one person later and say, Matt, you're amazing. You've actually got to train yourself to believe who you are in Christ. That's my message. Simple. It's not about doing more. It's about being more of who you are in Christ. And I believe if we did that as a group of people, if we did that as a family, there's nothing we cannot do. There is nothing we cannot do. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.